Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now welcome to super movie brothers let's start the show here's johnny do you know how i knew your name was doc I can remember when I was a little boy. My grandmother and I could hold conversations entirely without ever opening our mouths. She called it shining. I think a lot of things happened right here in this particular hotel over the years. And not all of them was good. Brothers, episode 176, I think. I'm starting to lose track because we're recording so many episodes ahead of time. Uh, <laughs> this is our movie cocktail episode for the month of October. We put up four movies for vote for paranormal horror. Those four movies were The Shining, The Exorcist, Poltergeist, and... The, the Ring, for some reason. <laughs> Three absolute <laughs> horror movie classics went toe-to-toe. The Ring came in dead last, as it should. Okay. As it should. Second was The Exorcist. Uh, and then third was Poltergeist. And with an outstanding lead, I believe it ended 41% to 21%. Uh, 28% was the closest one to it, was The Shining. So, Which was my pick. Which was, which was Rob's pick. Congrats. So Rob's now second win. Classic. Uh, so uh, this film, obviously, I think this is the one that like everyone 
probably on the list. I think it's it has a lot going for it right now because so much to talk about because Stephen King number one is he's the number one most prolific author of our time. Right, he's he's number one bestseller. All this stuff. Uh, we also just got. It Chapter One, It Chapter Two, Pet Cemetery. There's a big resurgence in making his films into movies again, and also we have Doctor Sleep, the sequel to his novel The Shining, that will be coming to screen, which is going to be both a sequel to the novel, a sequel to Kubrick's film, and hmm. a completely different story with you McGregor and I playing the older Stephen Danny King Torrance. Approved he this did. time around, he, so he did. So yeah, this episode is coming out very timely. <laughs> yeah, so this this episode will be releasing on yes. Halloween. Not by design. This is all the fans. The no, fans Halloween is definitely uh, uh, by design. <laughs> no, no, no. That we're recording in The Shining. <laughs> yeah, because it took a lot of work to get four people in this room for this to come out just before Halloween. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> doing it. <laughs> so, not to be confused with the 1997 made-for-TV remake of the same name, The Shining directed by Stanley Kubrick, came out in 1980, and it starred Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Danny Lloyd, and none other than Scatman Crothers, <laughs> who is one of my favorite characters in the entire mm-hmm. movie. Absolutely. So. Uh, the way we do these was we always go around the horn and we talk about early impressions of it, like the first time you saw it uh, and then watching it now. So, Rob, first time you saw this movie, how old were you? Where were you? What were you doing? Um, did your I, dick leave your pants when you saw the woman get out of the tub? And did you lose your chub when she turned into an old crone? <laughs> no. It happened to all of us. But, <laughs> but uh, to tell you the truth, I can't really remember when I first saw the movie. I know I did see it when I was younger. Um, I wasn't really into horror or paranormal movie so i didn't see it a lot um so but what i do remember is is watching it again for the first time as an adult um i kind of mentioned uh in the last one when i said that i was picking this movie that i entered a competition uh based around a book based around kubrick and i had to do a lot of research kubrick's game yeah and i had to do a lot of research for it so i i watched uh, the Shining for the first time sitting there one night just sort of pausing rewinding going back so I didn't miss anything and, and caught a lot of stuff that I'd never seen before or noticed mm. before so um, within the past two years is when I really sort of watched it again and sort of really paid attention to it this for me was one of those movies that like it right around this time of year it's on somewhere um, but for, for you know now I think it's it's a movie that we see a lot more I think back when we were growing up this wasn't on TV a whole lot mm-hmm. I remember the first few times I saw it were always late at night and I was probably around like eight or nine and in like pieces too, yeah not like the whole thing I never I didn't see the whole thing right. until I was an adult but I remember being extremely afraid of it and if someone asked me like what was scary about it there's nothing that I can point to. There's no. not. There's not like one scene where I go e- like. Even the when he's with the with the axe on the door. Even then, I'm like, yeah. it's not really that scary. The bear costume. Yeah. The, 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 the bear blowjob. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the bear blowjob. The, yeah. the little uh, disturbing. The little furry moment that's yeah. in there. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, like, it, yeah. The, but that's I think what it was was it was atmospheric and the tone of the film was enough to just to, to set me un- at unease. And I think a lot of that goes to the score and goes to. To, to the to just to the way it's the shot, yeah, the way it's yeah, I mean, shot, the production design, the sound quality, and I think just Jack um, Nicholson overall yeah. is just fucking creepy yeah. mm-hmm. in oh, this course, movie, yeah. and obviously was cast because of his because of his creepy nature. So you know, flash forward now doing the podcast and stuff, and and 
becoming more of a cinephile. Uh, I've watched it a handful of times now, and there's always something new to pick up on. There's always something new to, that, that really draws you in. Like I think the last time I watched it, I've always known that Jack Nicholson was creepy, but I don't think I I, I watched his performance that, that much. So this time around, I was watching him and Shelley Duvall's performances because uh, you know that we'll get it into it in the behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff. But one of their biggest problems with with the the whole marketing of the film was while Stanley Kubrick was doing press for it and and people were lavishing him praise for this movie and stuff. He never once like gave credit to the actors and the performances that they put in. Now in later documentaries he does, but at the time the film was coming out, that's the perception that Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall had was that wow. Stanley Kubrick was it was always like look what I had made but not look at the performances they had put into it mm-hmm. and i mean their performances are just absolutely phenomenal mm. was so, he like a common like notorious egomaniac i don't say egomaniac like reportedly he had an iq of like 200 um so he, so oper- he operated on a different level sure, than sure. other people uh he everything he did was extremely deliberate so, so if he's, treating he's you, unaware so if he's of- treating you for a, a certain way it's deliberately so when he was torturing shelly duvall on set for the yeah. over a year that this film was <clears throat> was being filmed uh it was all just to just to get a better performance out of her and he even told people don't coddle her don't don't go to her you'll, you'll do you'll do her no help by going to her after i've just yelled at her let her stew on it because that's what kept her in that mind space wow. so uh yeah i i think that's just you know his his headspace at that point with the film yeah, understandable mark uh, i saw it first time in my late teens pretty sure and yeah so i came to it i guess a little bit later than a lot of people um but i always knew it was iconic and uh loved it when i saw it i mean so it honestly surprised me a lot um you know, like it's the scene I mentioned with the, the blowjob and everything. I mean, stuff in there that's just straight bizarre. That's a moment um, we'll get into, but it's yeah. a, it's an interesting moment because so much of the paranormal activity that is going on within the Overlook is surrounding both Danny and Jack, who technically you would consider unreliable uh, mm-hmm. narrators, right? Yeah. Because one has The Shining and is purposely being shown things um and you're never really sure what's real what's tony showing him you know mm-hmm. and with jack you have another person who's insane and losing his mind so shelly yeah. duvall is technically the only one right. that's a reliable <laughs> narrator for the story yeah so when she starts seeing paranormal stuff yeah. like a man in a dog costume giving a man <laughs> yeah, in a tuxedo a blowjob right. you're just like okay. oh, was it a dog i'm sorry yeah, a dog yeah, a bear whatever some, it was. some kind of furry animal yeah. whatever it was yeah um, i mean i'm really ahead of his time in in the yeah, furry community i mean it just Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, hear, I hear he liked to go to conventions dressed as a koala and have everyone pet him so <laughs> something that rob has picked up doing now in his furry life well <laughs> as we see in eyes wide shut he likes sexual acts with masks on it well that's yeah yeah there's there, there's <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if he likes it he's he's, he's fascinated well, yeah. by the by the underworld of of yeah. sex you know right. the, yes. the things yeah, the cd the uh, things that go on behind closed yeah. doors between and I, i'm i'm just completely normal people yeah, but sure I, but yeah. i guess i remember being surprised by it because you, like i said you know those iconic moments you know the blood rushing out of the doors sure. and all the you know the obviously the axe to the door but there was all those like other moments that i just was really shocked by and surprised yeah. and even watching it again more recently i was still surprised by those what, moments and, one of the yeah. things i was really surprised about while like watching documentaries and stuff about this was you would think that a guy like stanley kubrick who is so you know he's he's famous for taking 30 takes for just mm-hmm. sometimes a single scene perfectionist and, yeah. yeah he's a perfectionist and actors like are, a david fincher type actors mm-hmm. are exhausted by him and by the process and most actors that worked with him never really wanted to work with him again mm-hmm. um 
um, it was just something. It was just an unpleasant very experience intense. all around. A very tense set and everything. Uh, so you would think that someone is that perfectionist would also be a perfectionist about his script. But I came to find out that his script was just words. Like he he honestly did not care about the dialogue or script much. Visual guy, yeah. B- because everything he was setting up well, in the scene in most is setting anyway. up the story that he wants you mm-hmm. to see anyway. Right. Yeah. So you can't even really trust his characters to be telling you yeah. the true story because the true story is going on in the background Which gives in the it that scene. extra kind of layer it gives another yeah, layer to it to so film. like throughout filming Jack Nicholson was constantly being handed new scripts so much so that he just chucked them away and just asked for the lines for that scene and a majority of his lines at times just completely ad lib mm-hmm. uh, because Kubrick is not so so well, stuck on his iconic, script iconic here's you know here's Johnny was that right that Kubrick, like, Kubrick that from London right? has no idea who Johnny Carson right. was or, or at least that maybe he knows who he is but that's not an iconic thing that he was aware of it wasn't in the script but he let it go yeah, yeah he just doesn't care yeah. so I, I, I always find that, that that's, that's something that's interesting about yeah. Stanley Kubrick is if you want to like even uh, Danny Torrance's uh Danny's not here right now. Yeah. This is Tony. And he moves his finger. That's just something that Dan that Danny mm. Lloyd did on his I love that too. O- yeah. On his audition. And he's like, Yeah, you can keep that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Whatever it's a visual works. representation yeah. that Tony has taken over your body and the audience needs that. And of so course, he allows that to stay. Stephen King would hate it because it's a character trait that's not right. in his book. Well, he was also super protective of of uh Danny Lloyd. Uh Kubrick did not want him tainted by this movie. He didn't want him having nightmares by it. So he told him that he was making a boring drama. Uh <laughs> so that that kid didn't actually see the whole movie until he was 17, so he yeah. didn't know that it was I, a horror movie well, yeah. until until then. And he was very even the scene where Shelby but Duvall this is the only is movie carrying him did, away. Too. Yeah, it's the the only movie he ever oh, did. Yeah. So even when he's when when Shelley Duvall's carrying him away mm-hmm. after he had just been attacked in room two three seven and she's blaming Jack for it, which I I always see as like the catalyst for Jack's madness really taking over. Um, when she's carrying him away, that's not even Daniel Lloyd. Hmm. That is that is a doll that was just huh. made up and dressed like him that's so that he wouldn't that. be tainted by it. So it's strange that he is so that Kubrick is is so protective tough on his actors and everything like that but when it came to the hmm. child he was protective which yeah. i found i found extremely interesting huh. it yeah, was definitely deep dude uh jay you first uh first time seeing it and uh your impressions now well just like you dave i also saw it in bits and pieces throughout childhood and and growing up as a teenager and such once i had um, a vhs man i wore out that that, that bathroom scene though <laughs> 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 Just rewinding it, <laughs> kind of yeah. like Kate was Winslet in the frame, Titanic. No, <laughs> no, it was it was full frame. It was oh, it was square. That's the real horror. Thing. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, we didn't Terrible. have we didn't have widescreen yeah, TVs back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. it was um yeah, and of course, like all you can remember, you know, because it's been a long time before I've seen it as an adult was just bits and pieces, like just the mood, just knowing the iconic shots and and sounds and stuff like that. But I always never had a full picture of the tone now when we did our double header the other um you know, you know last month when we watched 2001 and then this you got lots of tone lots of tone <laughs> lots of tone lots of kubrick a lot of kubrick mannerisms you can see in the films um and that was the one, number one thing that I got, you know i did not remember was just how the actors were how they spoke their dialogue yeah, how it doesn't atmospheric it is because to him it doesn't matter what right the dialogue, and, the and it was, makes complete sense the atmosphere and, of the overlook was was all that mattered sure and, and um you yeah. absolutely and you can see the details and, and it's the number one thing you can really appreciate and you know this movie you know it holds up to a degree <laughs> 
um, I think most youngsters would probably hate this movie. Even the fucking hip mm. indie ones, probably. I and I hate it. Doesn't it have a I resurgence though? With the uh, it hundred percent does. This movie yeah. is, is well. Is I'm back sure on the it's going to to some degree. It's just especially been, with Doctor Sleep. It's coming just out. been re-released on uh, on the, UHD. Uh, yeah. You know, home video. Came out, yeah. uh, they just did like like the new poster. So if you go at, like there, there's a new poster for it. Like they've yeah. re- not rebranded it, but they're but they're a repackaged. Poster? Interesting. They've repackaged it for for yeah the the new oh. cover for it. Oh, is now okay. is now a silhouette of Jack and it's bathed in red and inside of inside of the silhouette of Jack is the overlook yeah. and riding his big wheel in front of the overlook is sure. Danny. Yeah. So like when you go when you go on your streaming apps and stuff and you find it now, that's the picture mm. you're seeing, which is very different than the yellow screaming face yeah. uh, and very different than just I think the original one was just the Overlook Hotel and mm-hmm. it just said the Shining on yeah. it. So Stephen King's The Shining and it was but yes. uh, one of those I think it's very one of those enduring films. It's it's, it's yeah. very enduring, and I think it's 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 now because of the resurgence of Stephen King in cinema. You know, obviously the dude's always been on top with oh, yeah. writing and stuff, but with the resurgence of his films in cinema and stuff like that, now I, but, I think and also understanding the characters a little bit better now. No, I, yeah, I, I just like the whole no, I just think that the studio the who owns it right now, there's money to be made, and they're 100 percent right? going yeah. to be making it by re-releasing it on a home. And video. as of right now, <laughs> right before the positive movie, yeah. buzz about you know Doctor Sleep, so that's a good sign. That's good to hear. Yeah. And I'm um, looking forward to seeing it. We'll see. I was not a huge fan of the Dr. Sleep novel. So, okay. uh, well, we'll get into that and we'll get yeah. into the story of The Shining a little bit more in our next segment. Right now, uh, Rob, since this was you got to pick first, this was your cocktail you got to make this week. So, uh, what is the name of the cocktail? And what are your ingredients, man? So, uh, went very simple. We've had a couple of uh, different cocktails before that have like infused things and whatnot so uh i called this one the the number 237 or 217 depending on which way which way you want to call it uh 217 being obviously the room in the book 237 being the name of oh sorry being the room in the movie um or room what's it 408 that uh <laughs> oh yeah the other one <laughs> the, the other room that samuel jackson and uh and john cusack and john cusack yeah. stayed in oh yeah now 1408 um, that's 1408 yeah. we got there yeah very simple i want to do a sort of a theme on the red rum of course so i i put in half an ounce of overproof rum uh, so not just your normal rum. I went with overproof just to make it that little bit of extra strength. Uh, it is a full ounce of the Smirnoff raspberry vodka. And then you top that off with uh, Canada Dry ginger ale that is the cranberry ginger ale. And then uh, instead of ice cubes, we used frozen cranberries and frozen raspberries. Kind of looks kind of fruity. Kind of looks like almost like a um, sangria almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, a good... Uh, I'm I'm actually enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I could drink a couple of these. It's mm-hmm. very it's very sparkling. Um yeah. the the fruit once it melts though, I'm now finding it difficult for me to <laughs> to, to drink. The raspberries, I think it's I, the raspberries. Yeah, yeah, I've 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 literally licked the like the like uh fruit skin off of my mustache just a few times. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. The snozzberries well, taste like snozzberries. <laughs> it's the end of uh summer, so yeah. I know yeah. we're gonna get into some some different types of drinks coming around, but you know, I figured something fruity kind of like well, it's dark it's red it's bloody looking yeah. so yeah. that's the it's best part about it <laughs> visually i look i i love the taste of it though so i mean that's oh, that's course. the most important thing yeah. is that is that the taste is there so i i do i do dig i do dig the flavor of it mark you're digging it i'm digging it but like you said as it gets warmer <laughs> it gets, yeah. i'm gonna start drinking it fast but it's, no it's yeah. good it's yeah. getting tough it's very good jay 
All I knew was warmer. <laughs> I didn't even have a sip earlier on when it was cold. Um, no, I'm actually really enjoying this. It is very, very sweet, and it's definitely giving me a little bit of an upper with all the sugar. But it is, um, it's nice, and I love raspberry, so like I'm all about it. It's a game. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we. I really enjoy this cocktail. Uh, just a little bit. We'll peel you know, behind the curtains. We weren't sure whether this episode was going to happen. Uh, it was going to be me and Jay recording up until like zero hour uh, earlier on this weekend. So uh, me and Jay actually came up with an alternate cocktail. I'm not going to share the recipe here. I'm just going to put that recipe up for our patrons over on our Patreon Good idea. For, for, for them to enjoy our, our other one. But I will say this. It involves red wine and... Uh, all the good stuff, uh, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Red wine and bourbon. It'll fuck you up for sure. So I'll send the, I'll send those ingredients over to our buddies on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, you did have both of those tonight, sir. But luckily, hey, hey, at hey, least we'll at, be here for a while. We'll so. be here for a little yeah. bit. So let's head over. Let's get into the film proper. Let's start breaking the film down. Let's do it. Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Oh, red rum. Don't hurt me. I'm not going to hurt you. Stay away from me. Wendy. Stay away. Darling. Light of my life. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. <laughs> All right, so right off the bat, The Shining starts off. I would say a way that is extremely familiar to fans of Kubrick. It is just a long, sweeping, panning shot with music playing. And uh, if you've watched 2001 or you've watched you, you've watched A Clockwork Orange, you're familiar with the score kind of taking the pilot seat early on yeah. in the in in his movie. Definitely sets the tune, though. It does, yeah. and I love the score to to, to mm-hmm. this movie. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. But you know, you you are. A, this voyeur taking just a trip, floating above them. Yep. Yep. As as this as this you know Volkswagen Beetle, uh, which is yellow and not red like it was in Stephen King's novel, which a lot of people is you know will <laughs> will say is Stanley Kubrick's first thumb in the eye of uh, of of Stephen King's novel. I and then later on you'll see a crushed Volkswagen, a red one at <laughs> really? that. So and wait, it's, so you think he went out to? Like, that's what some people say. I honestly really? don't think. I mean, that happens all the time. With, I honestly don't think Stanley. Kubrick books, paid yeah. Stephen King's story much mind past concept. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's yeah. really it. We'll get into some book movie differences in our third segment. So, uh, it, there, it's traveling with Jack up to the Overlook Hotel as he as he goes to meet uh, the I guess the upper management uh, about his position. Jack was a former school teacher. We will learn a little bit more about how he lost his job throughout the film, but pretty much he lost his job through drinking, uh, and he's somewhat. At odds with his family over an abusive moment that he had with his son just one little moment just a couple ounces of pressure (laughs) and he popped the kid's arm out of the socket while grabbing him away from some of the school papers that he was working on um and that's how he he lost his job and has now is a recovering alcoholic so he's going up for this job that his buddy got him at the overlook hotel to be the off-season caretaker Mm -hmm. uh it's obviously a place of this size would require an off-season caretaker it just seems like that would be the season that this 
this would be the most popular. He says that. He actually he actually says it. He says yeah. like you know with with the amount of snow that you guys get up here in mountains like this, skiing's got to be you know fantastic. He said it, it, they say it would just cost too much to keep those ro- roads open, mm-hmm. and uh, they even mentioned that it, it's they're they're not too far away from Donner's Pass, where where Donner the yeah, Donner Party yeah, would have Donner had to pass party, through yeah. there. So it, it it is known for for getting dumped it, on. It's up there with. Yeah. mountains upon mountains of snow and it would just be too costly to keep it open mm-hmm. and 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 to have search and rescue on hand yeah. and all that stuff so they they instead they they closed down for the season because it's it's a resort more mm-hmm. so than than uh you know an extreme <laughs> resort <Yeah. laughs> uh so he's taking his tour of the overlook hotel and one of the things i find like really interesting is when they first go to greet him this is something i learned while watching uh room 237 He's reading a Playgirl, like yes. right up there. A Playgirl. I did read play that girl. right in the the right um, out in the open. Like, now they say that's another Kubrick thing where he was kind of because some of the titles on the the Playgirl are like leading to something to say, hey, right, you know. This There's is- also some people who 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 say that uh, a lot of his rage is coming from his latent homosexuality huh. and I didn't hear that one. somewhat attraction to his son. Like that. That's another Wait, thing. What? Yeah. <laughs> There, there, there are so many okay. theories that go so deep really into, dig this, into film. this movie. It's just better to to touch on it and mm. then just leave it alone. Yeah. Because if you want to fall down those rabbit holes, you hundred uh-huh. percent can. We, we're not going to entertain all of them okay. here. It's <laughs> not worth it. In the third segment, there's there's several that we will entertain, but not 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 this one. <laughs> but anyway, so he he then goes and he meets Ullman, who is who is the the manager of the hotel. Describes to him what he's going to be doing, and he just wants to write his book and. And stay up here in solitude. He reminds him there's not going to be any liquor around, and he goes, "That's fine. Never touch the stuff." <laughs> like Jack Nicholson just looks like a fucking asshole from the second this movie starts until I mean he becomes uber asshole by the yeah. end. But it, it like it, like everything, all of his mannerisms, everything he does, every eyebrow twitch. I'm just like, you, I know. you sick son of a bitch. Like, just, he's Jack. I mean, you want to dislike him the minute you meet him in this movie. Like he feels fake. Yeah. Everything it does, it does. Everything he's doing with these men that they're, it's awkward. Yeah. But do you think that's intentional on his part? I don't know. I, I know. But, I think but, it's I mean, more have you ever seen Jack Nicholson <laughs> yeah, play in, the good-hearted guy? You feel like this, like yeah. with terms Jack of Nicholson. Terms right. of endearment. I, the the moment it. I see <laughs> Jack Nicholson, this is the way I feel about right. him in almost every movie I've ever seen. But don't I you think mean, Kubrick knew that? I mean, I think he was using that, you know, to his advantage. Probably, oh, it's the exact reason why Stephen King didn't want him cast, and it's the exact reason why why Stanley Kubrick wanted him cast. I could see it both ways. Honestly, yeah. But anyway, so they return. They return back to to their home. I believe it's in Boulder. Uh, they say it's in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, you know, home of Matt Stone and Trey Parker, yeah. who were just little tykes Represent. when this movie was coming out. But they it's were supposed to be a gorgeous place. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I don't so uh, he's he's getting he, his family's packing up. But Danny has had an epileptic spell, I guess you would say, and has kind of fallen. Um, catatonic and the doctor meets with a meets meets with the mother and she's basically telling him that there's something going on with Danny but it's more it's more emotional than it is that than it is psychological that that it is neurological yeah, so he's fine physically. so they think that the open space and fresh air of the overlook hotel will do him and the rest of the family good they go up there and uh this is this is a this this part like really gets me when they first arrive to the overlook hotel everybody's leaving and they they are given the tour 
And this dude just casually mentions that, yeah, the place is built on an Indian burial ground, and they had to fight <laughs> off some Indians back in the it's day. It's never a good sign. Well, that's that's <laughs> like, any tour has to include that. <laughs> like, I uh, mean. Another yeah. film that we almost talked when you, about. When you're only going to be there by yourself, yeah. you have to include the Indian burial right. ground. Yeah. So, like, a, a, another film we almost talked about, Poltergeist. Yeah. It took us a little bit of while, a little bit of mystery to mm. find out that the entire development was yeah. built on an Indian burial ground. Mm. Here, they're just like, it was, it, it doesn't matter. Matter. Let's yeah. move on. Let Don't me show you the snow it. cats yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the hedge maze. You're gonna and love his, it. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna like the way you look. I <laughs> guarantee like it. You like. <laughs> <laughs> so he casually mentions that 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 the that literally the bones of this place are built on yeah. the bones of genocide, right. and they move forward on it. Now mm-hmm. that's another theory that we'll get into. Just in get it out second. of the way. Yeah, early, yeah I know. mean. Yeah, you know, you know, you're gonna find out anyway. But hey, <laughs> by the way, he also you know, Indian burial. He also warns no, Jack at one point that the solitude can get to some people, and he tells him about Grady, the caretaker from from years ago, <laughs> who who he's a very open boss. Did lose his mind <sighs> and chop up his family with an axe, mm-hmm. but that hasn't happened for years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. we're sure that you, sir, with the crazy you're eyebrows, different. you're you're different. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like you. There's something you. about. Yeah, Maybe yeah. you shouldn't bring your family. No, yeah. none of that. Yeah. So yeah. they they get to spend their their first time alone uh, exploring the hotel. So it's at this point where where Scatman Crothers yes. Holleran takes Danny <laughs> into <laughs> the. <laughs> and it's definitely one of my favorite scenes of the movie. It is. It is. Uh, of him and Danny I actually used just his, sitting there. I used him talking. and Danny's voiceover for the for the musical intro and stuff like that because yeah. I love that scene where he's sitting there and he's just explaining to him that some people just shine and that's mm. what him and his grandmother called it. Uh-huh. Shine. He, they would have entire conversations without ever opening their mouths and I, I just love it's it's very poetic the way he's talking but then there's also that hint of sinisterism in there mm-hmm. when Danny starts talking about Tony and how Tony tells him to do things and then he pulls room 237 out of Halloran's mind mm-hmm. and starts it flips the whole conversation on because Danny had been silent up to mm-hmm. that point and then he pulls that out of his mind proving that Danny is and the stronger starts, shiner oh yeah yeah uh, of and the then he even says are you afraid of right. this hotel it, well, you know yeah. Like, no, I mean, not quite like that. He's a little bit more innocence to his voice. Well, than I know. I, I'm just. <laughs> I'm not like you, Dave. I'm sorry. I'm scared right now. But uh, <laughs> but essentially, that's what he was saying, yeah. and we're asking. You know, he's like, well, "What's going on?" And and, he knows something's right. up. And, and don't you go in. Up. You ain't got no business going in there. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Scatman Crothers shuts the the idea of going into room two three seven down. Uh, so we kind of get like our first tease yeah. that 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 there, there's something sinister something going within yeah. the hotel, and that Halloran isn't quite willing to tell a small child the whole story uh i guess he's just kind of fingers crossed maybe everything's gonna turn out all mm-hmm. right <laughs> yeah hopefully but he also tells danny how to reach to him how to reach out to him mm-hmm. so now they get to spend kind of like their their first night alone uh after being shown the hotel and the 42 pork roasts that are sitting in there <laughs> and all the massive amounts of food that they will have to to mm-hmm. uh allow them to eat and jack for the finds next- a bar yeah <laughs> and jack finds the bar so he first spends some time in solitude trying to write mm-hmm. and this moment uh, always sticks out to me in in this movie. Uh, it's their first day, at, or at least the first day that we're seeing. Shelley Duvall comes up with a tray of 
of food mm-hmm. and she goes to meet with Jack and she tells Jack that, you know, it's 11 o'clock and he's like, oh shit, I slept in and all that stuff. And she starts talking about about his writing and she's just like, well, I'm sure it's just about, you know, getting used to it. That's all. And he goes, yep, that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> like he's already right off the like, bat. Yeah. Right, he hasn't even had any mm. type of paranormal encounters. He's already being influenced. I always took that as, as being like they had issues before they got there and now they're already starting to kind of come out again. Yeah. Like, but that's just but also he beat their be, son yes they right. had issues exactly. before well, coming yes. there exactly yeah exactly. he dislocated the kid's shoulder by right. picking him up while right. he was drunk so was some issues yeah so they, they've had issues but you know clearly like Shelley Duvall is either too the character of Wendy is either too dumb and hopeful mm-hmm. to, to realize that Jack's just a piece of shit or or subservient or and, yeah, yeah or or maybe Jack was on the path of some sort of redemption or on he was getting better uh, like he was getting better right. and stuff but here in the overlook that opinion yeah, yeah left she, to she, his own she devices think that maybe this would yeah. straighten him out that she maybe she she thought that since there wasn't supposed to be alcohol right. there or or anything like that yeah. maybe she thought this was going to be the thing that was going to mm-hmm. sort well, of Well they say in the them. beginning that he hadn't touched a drink since he broke Danny's arm and that was years uh, that was months ago like mm-hmm. it was a good a good amount of time uh mm-hmm. between then and now it's just um now in his solitude left to his own devices and the paranormal mm-hmm. you know nature of the hotel being awoken to the degree that it is probably because of Danny's presence. Yeah. Um, the, the book really gets into the fact that Danny is what wakes the hotel up and is it's yeah, Danny you get that, from the that the oh, hotel okay. yeah, wants. I didn't even realize in, that. in the movie, it very much feels like the hotel wants Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack's always yeah. been there. Jack's the one with the feelings of deja vu. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Jack's job in the book to, to kill his family, trapping them there. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, it's very different. It seems like Jack is the one at the hotel. Hotel's really after. Um, So, yeah, now we start getting into the typing. And I love that scene where where Mm -hmm. Shelly Duvall comes in and he's like, if you hear this sound, (laughs) that means I'm working. If it's silent in here, then I'm working. And like the the character of Jack was originally conceived because that is who Stephen who Stephen King thought he was to his family. Mm-hmm. He's had moments where he's snapped, mm-hmm. uh, and he even remembers his son at one point playing with his papers after while while he was writing, and he did snap on his son. And he did give him a mm-hmm. good a good jerk in the same manner that Jack did. He didn't actually hurt right. his son or send him to the hospital, but it's something that made him look inside yeah. himself. So Jack Torrance is the character that Stephen King has always said he's written to be the most like him, Which or at least probably... the most like seventies uh, Stephen King who was. <laughs> Ugh, you know. <laughs> exactly, which is probably why he's so protective of it. And, you know, I mean, everything that, you know, that an author writes is going to be personal, obviously. But this, I feel like this book to him was probably very personal. It was. So yeah. when he saw Kubrick's version of it. And changed sure, it. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he took more offense to it than maybe. Because he, he never took offense much to, to the tiny things that were changed, like setting-wise. Well, also, or, he wrote the original script. Right. right? So, or he did write the original yeah. script. Or moment-wise, what Stephen King took exception to was the portrayal of his characters. Yeah. That was not the Jack Torrance that, that he wrote. Him on that was not yeah. the Wendy that he right. wrote. So, so and he also, yeah. also, he was denied his, his, his cameo that he would normally like to do oh. in his movies okay, he, so that. he's not in here he cameos where just he, about where was he supposed to be do you know? i have no clue but he was supposedly denied huh. his cameo he could have been the um 
the hotel manager's yeah, assistant. I could see something like that. You know, the hotel manager had that guy right in yeah. the get go, right next to him when he that first the, opened up the movie. So that was the that was the on season caretaker. That's the guy who was actually testing Jack out. I would have liked to have seen better. him as like the the like the policeman down that was like man yeah. in the radio or something like that. Oh yeah, well yeah. that's that's yeah. that's that's a possibility. Good. Well, our like dad's on like a murderous yeah. rampage. Over. Oh, thank God. I thought that was. I'm glad that was over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, The Simpsons, The Shinning is so good. Uh, anyway. I can't think of this movie without thinking <laughs> it's, it's weird that that, that 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 is art imitating art, and then now it has superseded the original yep. art to us. In that yeah. We grew up in an age with The Simpsons more so than we grew up in an age with The Shining. It's true, yeah. So our, our recollection of The Shining is tied very like heavily to The Simpsons. I think of The, the Shinning Simpsons. first, and then The Shining. <laughs> yeah. Don't you mean shining? Quiet boy. You want to get sued? (laughs) You know how to reach Willie, but don't reach out to Willie between four and five. That's Willie time. Willie time. (laughs) Anyway, Simpsons got its normal mention on our show. Like it should. Uh, So this is around the time that Jack starts visiting the bar. uh, And he is met by, what's that bartender? Lloyd. Lloyd. Yeah, he he meets Lloyd. My favorite character in the movie is Lloyd. He meets Lloyd, you know. Mo, give me a beer. No. Not unless you kill your family, Homer. <laughs> uh, Lloyd, <laughs> Lloyd is creepy. Lloyd yes. is creepy, you know? Uh and it's it's that first drink of first off, Jay, you wanna you wanna jump in? Jack orders orders bourbon. What's he get? A Jack Daniels. Which is what, Jay? Tennessee mash. A Tennessee mash. Mm. He doesn't even get what he ordered. Lloyd's a shitty bartender. Yes. You don't have much yeah. to choose from, though. <laughs> and of course, true, Jack yeah. Daniels wants to be bourbon. Right. He wants to be classified well, as. So, is the alcohol actually there? Or is it, I mean, does that not matter? It's not there. It doesn't it's matter. There. Okay. It doesn't matter, though. Because I didn't know if he was actually drinking. Or no, it's 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 the first moment of the hotel uh, manifesting. Well, it's, it's putting its influence like over the, Jack. It's mention of the money as well. Like, I, I find that's kind of important as well. Like, he kind of says to the fact that that he only has a certain amount of money in his wallet to, to pay for drinks. He's got two 20s, two 10s in his, po- his yeah. pocket, and he wasn't planning on going home with it. Yeah, so. exactly. So it, that kind of like dry, drives him like, okay, so I, I have this much I can spend. to be a little light, Lloyd. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your money's no good here, sir. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> so I he- wish everyone at home could see Dave's impression. <laughs> it's uncanny. <laughs> Can't wait for you to. It doesn't sound like it, but I, I know I know I get the eyebrows going yeah, way definitely. up. <laughs> uh, so he 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 does start drinking. This is where we get his story about you know just just a couple inches of of uh, yeah. a pressure per square inch, and his arm would have been yeah. fine, but he yanked too hard. You can tell it haunts him. Right, it off does. Yeah. It very much does. But uh, I, I, I think a lot of people could relate to that, especially back then when. So we talk about you know, disciplinary was a little different back then. We t- <laughs> it is from this moment on that it is a. a very much a downward spiral of yeah. of Jack, where right. you could feel that there's some moments where he is well, the first time he's talking to nobody. Right. Yeah. Where he's, I mean, he's, the rest <laughs> that's of the time a good he's indicator. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay to talk to yourself. It's when you start answering yourself that you got a real exactly. fucking problem, or offering yourself drinks. And <laughs> <laughs> but this is also when uh, when Shelley comes to him. This is after Danny was attacked in room two three seven, and he does. The, Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> <laughs> he's already losing it. <laughs> He's already leaving. <laughs> she bothers him at the bar. And that's just the way he looks at her. And he's silent. And his lip curls in a little bit. And his eyes squint a little bit. And he's studying her face for a few moments. 
Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> yeah. He's the one sitting there talking to a ghost, and she's the one out of her mind. She's got the fucking audacity to turn to her. <laughs> Lloyd, do you believe that shit? Come on, Lloyd. Come on, Lloyd. Give me, give me some more bourbon. So uh, so Danny was already attacked in room 237. Uh, Off screen. All that stuff you know, yeah, never happened. Really- this is when Shelly Duvall uh, accuses him of... Mm-hmm. Of you know yeah, of, like, of attacking right. Danny and then Danny uh, you know comes out of his catatonic state off screen again tells her that it was a woman in two three seven she goes to visit him at the bar he goes he then goes to two three seven to to check it out and this is more of the hotel drawing him in this is when Dave uses his uh, pause button on my that. yeah the VHS <laughs> the VHS that I rented from the library over Back and over when and they over were and over a little again. bit looser on what you could see on the screen so 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 two things about about the bathroom scene with the with the woman that's getting out of the bathtub. First off, hard dips. Was that a no? <laughs> was that a merkin? Was what I was going to ask Jay. <laughs> and secondly, do you guys think that the hotel was trying to draw him in with a beautiful woman, something to to keep him there, right? Something to keep him interested, something to keep him yeah. coming back to two three seven. We also see we get shots of Danny, you know, shining and his head shaking and his and his and his yeah. lips and like. Do you think Danny's the one that made her look like the old crone? Hmm. What he saw in a in, in a bid to keep his father from falling under hmm. the overlook's spell, which is uh, that's the way I've always that's, read it. That makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. You know, it starts out the, the only reason that Jack becomes a afraid in that room is because Danny puts a different image mm. in his head than what the hotel right. is is doing and like I, I always took it as Danny is trying to save his father while the overlook is trying to take it. it's like a bid for Jack's soul see it, it I always- take it as just the powers of the room is building mm. and it's so intense where he's feeling it because it's yeah. revving up so much, where yeah. that's why he was shaking. It was he was getting in. It was always unclear to me how much Danny knew because the power. Well, so, so later on, I when, don't think he had when he's to reaching out visions. to Hall- when Danny's reaching out to Halloran, he's having the same look on his face, and Halloran isn't getting clear messages from Danny. He's only being given images that Danny is showing him. So. I, I, that's what makes me wonder whether yeah. Danny is showing Worth him feelings. the same image. Right. He's, I could see it either way, honestly. So, yeah. But that's the way I always took but, that scene. But again, this movie doesn't spell everything out for you. Can, you. Yeah, you can yeah. interpret it how, however you interpret it. So, I mean, I, I understand that we're running through the plot here a little bit. But honestly, this is a very simple plot. So there's there's not a whole lot. Jack goes crazy. So, so Jack's descent into madness becomes complete. When Shelly Duvall has now locked her and Danny into into the quarters upstairs, uh, while Jack has pretty much been in the Colorado ballroom the entire time. That, that always interests me too. Is like they've got this like like weird little room that they're living in. The pantry, you mean? Or? Yeah, no, no. Oh. The the room that they're staying in yeah. at the hotel is like. This offshoot, it maybe is it has very to do, quaint. Yeah, but they actually yeah, they've say got that a couple whole, times in the beginning. Well, they got have a whole, whole lot. The whole house they they've got it's the whole cozy. hotel. It's, they'll love it. <laughs> Jack, Jack makes them stay in there. Cozy. Yeah. Jack has the run of the house. No, I mean, it, the, the place is large enough that if you don't want to see somebody, yeah. you don't have to. You don't have to. No. You don't have to. And I think it, it, it came to an understanding, and this could also go to the fact that maybe Jack was fighting his urges. To, to kill his family because it's only after he meets Grady in the bathroom that he is set to to kill them mm-hmm. right because because we get that scene in the red yeah. bathroom just outside of the Colorado ballroom the where where the 19 the, the 4th of July party from 1921 yeah. is going on all around them he starts talking about that feeling like he's always been there and stuff like that yeah. and Grady's like you you have always been here and he's like you were the caretaker here you killed your family mm-hmm. with an axe mm-hmm. and he's like no sir you have always been the caretaker here. And it's like, it's this, hmm. you know, it's it's the hotel, again, 
bringing him into he's oh he's always belonged there mm-hmm. that feeling of deja vu that he talks about in the beginning of the film where and it wasn't deja vu like any other deja vu you ever felt he knew what was going to be around every corner because the hotel was making him feel that way because mm-hmm. jack has always been there or hasn't and it doesn't matter because i don't think time or reality have any relevance within the overlook no. especially during the off seasons <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. so uh a- after meeting grady in the ballroom in in the ballroom bathroom and getting cleaned up after grady spilled a drink on him it, it, that's almost the moment that jack's resolved that he will kill his mm-hmm. family shelly duvall's already locked herself he in the room decision, yeah. um but she She's made also the decision that she's going to leave. She's going to take one of the snowcats, um, and she's going to take it down the mountain. If Jack wants to come, then she's hoping he'll feel better once he gets away from the hotel. If he doesn't want to come, she'll 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 take Danny and she'll make sure someone goes up there to check on him. And that's what she's resolved to do. Now I can't yeah. remember. Is this before or after the little girls? This is after. This yeah, is after. So the little girls in the we, hallway. We, we, we did. Bre- we did we, skip through. Uh, Danny's. I mean, because that's an iconic scene from the mm. from the movie. Danny's I mean. three travels around the hotel. Um, I was actually going to get into them in the in our third half where we talk about behind the scenes stuff because some of the architectural design of how he's traveling on that wheel on that uh, big wheel throughout the rooms is impossible. Mm. Like. He literally turns a corner, and what you see out of the left side in the background was is the downstairs, and he was just in a hallway that we've seen previously was in the downstairs. But it so, looks cool. But it looks cool. So, yeah, so, um, so, but some people say that that's intentional. That I think that it, kinda, it might be. That I, it could Danny's be. trips yeah. on the big wheel may not actually mm-hmm. be Danny riding around on a big wheel. This may be him traveling the hotel you know without his body mm-hmm. um sort or going of going back and forth in time astral projecting it could be a lot of, yeah astral projecting but that is where he runs into the that's where he does run into the the two sisters yeah. uh who you know come play with us mm-hmm. danny mm-hmm. and those were grady's daughters who he chopped to bits and his wife was none too pleased that he did so mm-hmm. so he chopped her to bits at least they're aware of it <laughs> so, <laughs> well they I are told up front it's not like that's not like a secret <laughs> if you think about it um his dad is down the Colorado room working when he first discovers room 237 right um, and he's he's above his father uh, and that's when he discovers room 237 in the moment that he sees the twins he's directly above where his mother is in the boiler room uh, and so there's like this idea that the twins serve as a warning and are very much tied to Wendy whereas the negative spirits and everything negative going on around is tied mm. to Jack so, uh, anyway, uh, now, now Jack, uh, Wendy leaves the, the solitude of their room, goes down to, to meet with Jack and we get my favorite One scene of the, best scenes, yeah, of, of the sure. entire movie. Um, she confronts Jack. She's telling him she's going to leave. And this scene reportedly took 137 takes. Mm-hmm. Um, the cameraman have gone on record to say it was more between the lines of 30 and 45, not 127. Okay. Still a lot. Still a lot. lot. But uh, this is Jack, you know, uh, Jack just coming after Wendy and he's doing it very slow and he's very talking to her. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. that. Woo. Uh, Woo. I love it though. You always confuse it with the Simpsons. <laughs> right, because because the Simpsons really starts like when the yeah. Simpsons does the shinning, they really start parodying they do- you know, Jack Nicholson's performance. Yeah. And then he takes it to three stooges level and he goes in yeah. different directions with it and he really homerifies it. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> yeah. No TV, no beer, make Homer something something. 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 Go, go crazy. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> 
shots. <laughs> so anyway, good, so good. But anyway, Jack is, you know, I don't I don't want to hurt you, Wendy. I just want to bash your fucking brains in. <laughs> I don't want to hurt you. Just give it a bat. Give it a bat. Give it a bat. Give it a bat. And then he she hits his hand and he's like, "Ow, you bitch and she smacks him across the head and i love the dazed look that he gives right there it's just this moment where he gets hit in the head he's just like Ugh. <laughs> and he just like stumbles down the stairs and hurts his leg uh is clearly knocked out cold and she drags him locks him into the pantry until mm-hmm. grady and lloyd can come uh their spirits talk to him from the other side of the wall yeah. And free him while she frantically runs up to the apartment, tries to get Danny out. And this is when Jack, you know, breaks in case of fire, takes the axe and starts <laughs> and ad libs. Yeah, and, and starts ad-libs. going around the house and ad libs. A lot of his lines are ad lib yep. throughout this film. It, you know, he starts chopping down the door. He he obviously gets to the bathroom door. Shelly Duvall can't fit through the window. Danny's already on the outside and she's telling him to run. And we get the, you know, the iconic. Now, this is a, a moment that like I absolutely love in the film for camera work alone. You know, someone swinging an axe is actually, you know, it's pretty mm. mundane, right? Like, uh, yeah, we've seen that before. Um, but the way the camera like draws Pains back with him, yeah. almost removes Jack from the frame entirely yeah. and then follows the axe back mm-hmm. into the door over and over yeah. and over again. Um, and one of the things that I find interesting is they had to build 30 odd like 60 doors. Yeah. I think, they had to build to so yeah. the first door they built, they didn't want to be as hard as like any other door because they wanted it to have some so, some weight to it, but they also wanted it to break. What they didn't know is that Jack Nicholson had been a volunteer firefighter for years and actually had a lot of experience swinging axes into doors. <laughs> so when he swings his axe into the door, the first it completely shattered. Like he just he he turned he turned the whole thing to splinters. So they had to keep creating new doors, new doors, new doors, new doors, new doors. So he finally they, they finally get it right after sixty some takes of him breaking down various doors for him to come in and give us the <laughs> iconic "Here's Johnny," uh, <laughs> or "I'm Merv Griffin." <laughs> All this tonight on 60 Minutes. Ah! (laughs) And you can tell that he was, you know, that he'd been doing it for a while because you can see it in his face. He's just one of my favorite things behind the scenes is like watching Jack Nicholson keep himself hyped. Yeah. Like in that moment, get himself ready for that. Yeah. Like people were giving him a a wide berth because he's holding that axe and he's doing calisthenics with it. He's he's doing like jumping jacks with it. And he is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He's literally like. like off on his own, standing yeah. in front of a door, Psyching himself up, and he's yeah. just like, "Come on, come on, yeah. come on, come on, come on, come on!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gruesome son it. of a bitch, come and get me! <laughs> it's like when they talk about uh, like I'm Heath Ledger as the Joker. Though. We talked about like yeah. Heath Ledger as the Joker, how he would psych yeah. himself up with mm-hmm. like. That's exactly what Jack Nicholson yeah. was doing here, and I'm sure it's very similar to his Joker as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, but it, this, I mean, he is truly just mad at this point mm-hmm. like he is just he's just lost his mind well, oh, yeah, he's gone many times point. i mean yeah he he's would. he's gone at this point yeah. so he he you know he breaks down the door shelly duvall cuts his hand and this is when danny's call to scatman crothers and his 24-hour travel from miami uh with his pictures of 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 beautiful that just poor- just afro women were just surrounding him <laughs> that poor guy he gets all the way there and- i know so uh, he, he he gets to miami has to turn around <laughs> yeah. Always the way. So he, uh. so he gets, he gets there to finally to the Overlook Hotel to to liberate Danny and Wendy and gets an axe. <laughs> 
promptly in his chest, which is different than the book. He does get hurt in the book, but he survives and actually goes on to have some role in Danny's life moving forward. But here he he dies pretty unceremoniously, like um, and you know this is his, after all the trip. Yeah, uh, it did leave a bad taste in my mouth. I wish I, I wish he had more to do. I know. Don't, don't we see back. him on the it, plane coming it, in and all yeah, everything? Yeah, it was such a big build up, and then it's yeah. like, uh, really, that's it? Yeah, you know? I, I know. It, it's like it's, that, it's the one gone. thing of this movie that like I I don't like. Maybe it's, but well, also, it's a horror movie. The black man has to die first, right? He was no, but I think I think also what it comes what it comes down to was this for. Kubrick, possibly, this was a story of this family, yeah. and the outsider coming in... He was a beacon of hope that had to ...breaks be, that tension, yeah. and and that tension has to be mm-hmm. quashed pretty yeah. quickly for you to stay in that moment. But it moment. is sort of funny how they show But him, it's like, also a thread still, that... Could, like, like a quick moment where he saves Danny for a second... You know, did. just he did by like distracting that. him. But that also would be well, too expected, I think. Yeah, his body serves a purpose to Wendy later on. So Danny gets out and uh, he hides. He hides, and I've always thought that Steven Spielberg had the kids hide inside the cabinets of the Spielberg? kitchen. Spielberg, right? What I say, Spielbergo. Spielberg. <laughs> no, he said Spielberg. Great. Yeah, Spielberg did. had the kids hide. In in inside the the kitchen cabinets oh, well, in Jurassic Park, I thought you were trying to as say an, because we know we yeah. know that Spielberg. I was wondering where it was going. For yeah. I, I was like, did I say Spielbergo? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you're leading into Jurassic yeah. Park. Okay, okay. So now I'm, I'm so, with you. And we always know that that Steven Spielberg is a huge fan of Stanley Kubrick. Oh, yeah. So I always yeah. thought that that. Uh, Lex and Tim hiding inside the the cabinets mm-hmm. of the kitchen yeah. again, from the Raptors was an homage to Danny hmm. hiding inside the cabinets of the kitchen yeah, from Jack as he as he goes past. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after after Howard is killed, uh, that's when Danny leaves and Jack gives chase. Wendy gets the gets becomes brave enough to leave uh, the apartment and she starts walking around. And this is the moment that Wendy starts seeing paranormal stuff going on. She sees she sees the dog faced man going down on the man with a tuxedo uh she sees howlin's dead body which is kind of like the catalyst that starts bringing things to life mm-hmm. she sees grady standing in a hallway with a scotch in his hand mm-hmm. with a big gash going down his forehead presumably from when he killed himself mm-hmm. and then uh she turns around and sees uh the the blood rushing out of the elevator mm-hmm. um which was a shot that took three takes but each take took nine days to set up, and they were months apart. So it actually was a shot that took almost a year to film wow. by the time they were done. Worth it. Yeah, <laughs> worth it. It's a fantastic shot. It is. Um, e- each time he said it either didn't look enough like blood, or he didn't like the way it flowed. He wanted a little bit of symmetry to the blood. He wanted it to come down the hallway in like oh. this even like wave. So finally, if you look at that last shot, there's 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 a symmetry the, to the, the shot. Yeah, the, the math behind that shot probably was extensive. You know, Absolutely. as far as like, and there's people, the size there's people who believe that the blood in the elevator is representing the fact that this place is built on the blood of the dead natives and on genocide and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, like Perhaps. literally, if you think about it, the elevator shaft would be going into the ground yeah. where the dead are buried. Right. So it makes sense that it would take their blood mm-hmm. up. It's funny though because the blood usually gets off on the third floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this is when uh, Jack and Danny are taking their tour of the maze, and we know that Danny knows how to get through the maze because him and his mother have gone through mm. the maze several times themselves, and he knows how to get out. And this little boy, who 
Look, I'm not saying Danny's dumb or anything, but he's shown zero intelligence practically throughout the film. He's been very much uh, a character that things are happening to, um, yeah. that we've been exploring. And I think... But you the, really don't know if he's going to make it out of that. Right. That but point, but while yeah. watching this, I think like when he starts like making the steps backwards and he covers up his tracks and he hides from his dad and stuff like that, I, I started to think like maybe some of the stuff at the Overlook was Danny mm. too. Like, like maybe Danny has more control over things than he knows that he has. Possibly. Um, well, you you know, read Doctor Sleep, so you might know more than us, I guess. I, I read that literally uh, when it came out. So that was what three or four years ago, okay. and I immediately did not like. Does it. Does that give the, any more insight into his character? Yeah, uh, d- okay. it gives a little bit more insight into Jack and how Danny how Danny grows up and reacts. To everything that happened and stuff mm-hmm. like that, um, he 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 turns out very much like Jack oh, in a way. So yeah, there's there's <laughs> I mean he's drinking to to dull the shine in himself. Makes sense, though, so yeah. okay. um, anyway, uh, <laughs> far from the point. Jack freezes to death out there, and Danny basically commits patricide. Right, like he he killed his father. Right. He he, he well, his father was trying to kill him. Ah, yeah. you know. To be fair. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. But there's there's, there's a bit of an Oedipus thing that's going on here a little bit as well. Because Jack even says, you know, when he's going back and forth with Wendy about Danny, about, you think we should get him to a doctor? Huh? You think that's his needs? What about my needs? Huh? Did you ever think about me? And, like, he starts, like, he starts mm-hmm. getting in it with her. And to me, like, I was like, there... There is somewhat of a tension between Jack, at least from Jack's point of view, and Danny and the attention that he garners from Wendy that Jack is not getting. Mm-hmm. So there is somewhat of like an Oedipus thing going on here. Yeah, he's probably not getting laid. An Oedipus. He can't drink anymore. And on, on the road back to the so, kingdom. He can't write his book. He's frustrated <laughs> yeah, all around. Yeah. On, the ro- on the road back, back to the kingdom that he came from, Oedipus unknowingly kills his father, marries his mother, and... Unknowingly, though. So. Unknowingly. <laughs> <laughs> just saying there's a bit of an oedipus oh, thing there's all kinds of things going on here uh and and i mean and and the film just kind of ends with jack frozen yeah. with that you know somewhat I, I, hilarious smile. face but also like it haunting face yeah. Yeah. as well like yeah. there is no humility in death you know what i mean like he stayed crazy yeah you know? and uh we get the shot of of him in 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 the in the picture front row in the picture at the Fourth of July ball, nineteen twenty one, and the movie just kind of ends right there. It leaves you to wonder, like whether Jack has always been there. Mm-hmm. Is that why he had that feeling, or, or is he there now, or like a- what hold over reality does the does the Overlook Hotel have? Because I, I and it, it's a big part of the why this yeah. is, is and such a success. Yeah, and it is because the the banter talking about this movie after you get out of the screening. You know, you, you don't know if it's the hotel that's doing it all or if it's something more it's like they don't they don't close that so, book they don't close that chapter i'll tell you this. An, an ending in there saying oh it was the book it was the sorry it was the hotel that was doing this the whole time I'll, yeah. they don't give that explanation i'll say this in the book in the shining it, it wasn't about jack jack was the tool that the overlook hotel was using to get to danny um, it was all about Danny. The Overlook Hotel's power was amplified by his presence. It needed it needed Danny. It was awoken by him and his shine. So they wanted Danny to die so he can stay there forever. Essentially, there's there's different and well, let, all right. So we're to stay there and run. so now that's over. Let's head over and let's let's get into our final bits of this. No TV and no beer make Homer something something. 
Go crazy? Don't mind if I do! Stay away from me, Homer! Give me the bat, Marge! Give me the bat! Give me the bat! Come on! Give me the bat! Give me the bat! Dirty cat! Yeah! Let's just get let's let's get into some book and movie differences. We talked about a few of them. The characters of Jack and Wendy are completely different. Wendy is, in in this book is in the movie is a very traumatized person. She's been traumatized by Jack, and you get this feeling like maybe she's been traumatized by other men in her life. Like she's and, walking on eggshells, right? Which is why she's she's this very meek, timid person. Uh, the the character of Wendy in the book was more like the blonde bimbo cheerleader type hmm. who had never dealt with any type of adversity in her life, so she was completely unprepared for this situation um both of them still wind up kind of going to pieces in it however the, the the wendy in the book i would say is a little bit more naive as to what is going on um jack is more of a redeemable character in the book in the end it's actually jack who kind of winds up being the hero um it, it's not it he, he isn't going around the house trying to kill his family with an axe he's trying to kill them with a croquet mallet and it's oh, danny's totally different. it's danny's head that he wants to bash in as the hotel is is trying to force him to bash Danny's head in uh, he actually turns to croquet mallet on himself and starts bashing his own head and tells Danny to run uh, and there is this metaphor of the boiler like he is the caretaker and we see in the movie that Shelley Duvall is the one down in the boiler room like you know messing with the boilers and stuff like that burning them at certain times mm-hmm. to to both heat the hotel doing the work yeah but also that he was supposed to be doing that he she, was supposed to be doing yeah that's also part of the book as well but they use the boilers like this metaphor of like building pressure and it, it lets off steam and and the steam comes out as like this high-pitched whistle and stuff so when he starts neglecting going down to the boiler and and firing them up from time to time pressure builds mm-hmm. up and eventually the boiler Metaphor. the boiler the boiler blows and is what yeah. catches the whole the whole uh out overlook on fire hmm. and it happens right after he balks on killing danny and allows danny to hmm. escape so it's it, it's like you know if 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 the overlook can't have him, no one will mm-hmm. and it burns itself to the ground jack dies in the flames hmm. um uh, also in the book we know that instead of a maze it is it is hedges that come to life which Stanley Kubrick wasn't actually against the hedges coming to life uh he just didn't see how he could make it how look could shoot it, yeah. how he could shoot it and make it look oh. in, correct for Believe the screen you would have to do it through sound exactly there's just no way exactly so he, he he decided to go with the maze instead uh also there's a moment with a with a wasp's nest on the roof where Jack like this is sort of like in the inception of him like teetering on the edge and the sound of the buzzing is also meant to like represent his madness and stuff like that boiling to the surface uh, so he's a much different character in the book a little bit more redeemable uh, and, and and it does take quite a bit for Jack to fall down the rabbit hole of madness than mm-hmm. it does in uh, it, it's, well, it's, Stephen King likes to write a lot of pages right so, so sure. it, it was more always gradual it was always something like in the movie it's something that's brewing right underneath Jack's sur- surface yeah. and in in the book it's something that the overlook has to draw out of him mm-hmm. and, and and reduce him to these animalistic nature that 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 he is um so that those well, are, like, are able to convey that kind of stuff exactly easier, those, you know those yeah. th- those they are just 90 minutes those whatever. are some of the major differences two two hours and 30 uh two hours and 32 minutes that oh, the movie had wait this this is two hours and 32 minutes shining is two hours and 32 wow. minutes yeah 
Well, it goes by quick. It does. It does. So <laughs> did not realize that. So the, the, those are just like um, there's a ton. Like we could sit here forever and go about the. the Actually, Doctor Sleep is two thirty five. Yeah, we we can go through yeah. all all the all the you know all the gritty details of the difference between be, between the books and and the movie. How? But those are like the, the those are like some of like just like the main the main things that that Jack and Wendy are kind of two completely different characters than the way they're portrayed. But I think in the film, this movie is all about the imagery. I mean, it's, like I said, iconic. I mean, just think of. All those different shots in this film. That's just you know. If you like want to see the part of cinema history, if you want to see the fateful uh, Stephen King adaptation, just go watch the made for ABC movie, yeah. The Shining. It's four hours long, I and seen it's that one. nowhere near yeah. as good as not as, as this. memorable. Yeah. I'm getting well. That's, that's that, I mean, look at, <laughs> out look at almost a lot of Stephen King's movies that when he tried to put the ones that were like very faithful to his books, mm. they're like hours long. I yeah. mean, the Langoliers, book, the Langoliers. <laughs> his uh, books are well, just inherently different. You know, just yeah. like. To this. get all that information in, you have mm. to have well, they're all, a they, six to eight hour mm. movie. They're always they're the always stand. different uh, animal. I mean, yeah. look at the stand. Mini series events is what they used to yeah. be yeah. on on, which uh, actually makes more sense in the film. I would say, yeah, for the most part, hundred percent. Yeah. So th- those are just our, our major differences and stuff like that. Uh, I think we went through like a lot of like the behind the scenes stuff. Mm. You know, we 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 went through some of the most we interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah, we touched on a lot of it. Where you know the actors and their ad libbing and stuff. We talked. We talked about Stanley Kubrick torturing Shelley Duvall, which she did say made made a better okay. performance, right? Right. She in in the end, she did go back and say like you know it's very like it's it, effective. It, it was it, it was for the betterment of the film, mm-hmm. and she was a better actress for and at it. The time, but at the time, the it was weren't torturous. doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even, so this was kind of new. Even Scatman Crothers for a lot of his scenes, like uh, he had to do multiple, multiple, multiple takes. His next movie was Bronco Billy, I believe it was, and it was directed by Clint Eastwood hmm. and Clint Eastwood is the opposite oh, of Stanley Kubrick he, he's the easiest <laughs> he guy takes ever. one take and moves on and uh, like you good with that Scatman Crothers <laughs> when he did his when he did his take when he did his one take for, for Bronco Billy and he was told that they're moving on to the next scene he broke down and started crying <laughs> Really? Yeah, That's he cool. broke down and started crying because thank you. <laughs> like he had no happiness, or he had he no clue. Just... He had no clue that it could be like this. Wow! All he knew was the abuse of Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> but was Kubrick like that on all his films? Like, I yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, two thousand one was exactly the same. Yeah. Way. Even right, and but even yeah. with Eyes Wide Shut, I think it does come from him. All being, of it. All it was of over them, an yeah. hour, they, over a year, they filmed that movie. Yeah. I think it comes from him being such yeah, a but perfectionist some, and just, right. Yeah. But, but sometimes the takes that you're doing, you could be acting perfectly. But he doesn't care what your mm-hmm. acting's doing. He cares about that light. Yeah. There's, I don't know, no. it's casting a weird shadow. I mean, we need to change that. Yeah. Let's do another I guess thing. The studios were it could be the, the littlest thing, and it would, and it would the set the whole thing. If you think about it, back too. when they were shooting on film, that's expensive as it, shit. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's yeah. expensive as hell. Um, now on digital, so that, that, that doesn't just, mean anything. It's just that time. that also shows how much clout he had at that point, because that the fact that he could just shoot rolls and rolls of film After like Dr. Strangelove. Uh, and time I, and manpower. After Dr. Strangelove, I think he was given a ton of leeway. Like That won Oscar. So, I mean, like that was the moment where everyone's like, yeah, just right. Go ahead. Do your yeah. thing. Yeah. You're dealing with something. It's also why, like, I mean, how many directorial films does he have? Like ten. Like mm. he, he, it's not like he this yeah, dude is directed like a, a not the most prolific one every five, mm. six, sometimes even taking decades mm. off between. Right. He between, was more so. quality over quantity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, we, we we did we did touch on on a lot of that stuff. One of the things that we didn't touch on was like the crew and how the crew deals with things, right? So a lot of this film was filmed on Steadicam and mm. uh, the 
the gentleman who who, who invented Ste- Steadicam, I I I know his last name is Brown. Uh, he signed Rocky, on- <laughs> no Rocky Brown. So, well, so he signed on for. We're getting to Rocky. Give yeah. me a second. He signed. Well, on- that was the first. One. He he signed on for six months to be on this film, and everyone told him, "Yeah, it'll be six months." Kubrick's like, "It'll be six months," and everyone else who had worked with Kubrick before just laughed at him and went. Why you get another gig? He says, "Yeah, in six months I have to go film Rocky too over in Philadelphia." And he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, you ain't not, gonna make that. You're not gonna make that. Mm-hmm. This th- th- this film's gonna take over a year and a half to film." And he's like, "No, it won't." Six months go by. They haven't even shot half the footage they need to shoot with his Steadicam, mm-hmm. and he is now on a flight every Friday night going over to Philadelphia <laughs> so that he could film Rocky come the morning, and then he was on a flight back Friday night so that he could start filming The Shining <laughs> again. You're never leaving this hotel. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he did that. He did that for yeah. now. Rocky only took six months to film. So for six months, he did that. Mm. And then he still had to come back to yeah, L Street work, Studios and film the rest of the show. Kubrick and then going work, working with Stallone. That's a funny trivia. Yeah. I like that. That's so, mind blowing. I never heard that one. So uh, on on top of that, like uh, Kubrick filmed this movie in sequential order. He didn't. That's wild. Yeah, that, that never happens. That yeah. never happens because you. He took up the entire. Again, he took up the entire budget, lot. Yeah, at L at L Street Studios. Mm-hmm. It was all. It was. It was his. It that lot was his for a year, and then it burned <laughs> down. And then it burnt down because uh, they the the interior set for the Colorado room had those windows, and they had to use studio lighting on the outside mm. through glass. Uh, temperature got up to over 140 degrees at times on set, mm. and someone left the the stage lights on while they were not in there filming. They were off on another set filming, and that set burnt down. Luckily, uh, they it, were able to rebuild it, but burned down during filming. During okay. filming, uh, but yeah. they were actually done with that set when it burnt down. Okay. Um, so they. They actually wow. were able to rebuild it, and then it was reused in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, wow. uh, Steven Spielberg came in and filmed his feature right mm-hmm. in there, right after Kubrick was done with it, after its mm-hmm. renovations, after Kubrick. But nothing ha- it happened down. to the actual location. I'm assuming. No. Okay. No. No. Okay. So, um, and, and then the, the final one, which I've now read a bunch of things, which is actually bullshit, is that the reason that it was changed to room 237 was the fact that it was actually a real room that existed. Mm-hmm. That I'm sorry, that 217, which yeah, is. 217 the, existed, yeah, but 2317 doesn't exist. And now I've heard that that's actually bullshit. He just changed it because 237 was something that was more visually pleasing to him, mm-hmm. the numbers, and the numbers oh, are. Oh, so Kubrick changed it. Kubrick changed okay. it from 2017. So there's all these different stories about why it was changed from 217 oh, to 237. Because I, I heard that it was it was because there was it also equals 42. Two like, times three times seven yeah. is 42. 42 is supposed to be a repeating number that occurs all throughout it's the meaning this. of life. Yeah, it's the, yeah. it's the answer to everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but there there is Watch that rumor that like 42 <laughs> 42 is a repeating number. All, yeah. all the visibles of seven are repeating numbers throughout this film. Mm-hmm. And now we start getting into the deeper theories, guys. Before we jump in. To oh, our no. next movie cocktail. So our deeper theories. Uh, some people yes, believe Kubrick did film the moon landing. The moon landing. The moon landing. Yes, it's true. It's deeper. That's true. It's true. Some, some people confirm that right here. Some yeah. people believe you've that. heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> there is no space, everybody. <laughs> it doesn't no exist. such thing. And the world is doesn't flat. And the earth's flat. Uh, <laughs> Trust yeah. me, I'm from the well, other side. True, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, from the flat side. <laughs> <laughs> so he. Uh, supposedly like there this movie is the confession to him having filmed the moon landing uh when you see when you see the 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 key uh for room 237 it says room n little o 
237 and 237 was apparently like the room number for for the soundstage that he used oh while filming the moon landing well We're then really you've got going, and then, then you've you got danny's the, je- danny's apollo sweater at one sweater. point says apollo 13 if you on take it. the inverse of room no 237 and you kind of scramble it just a little bit and then you also leave that there then it becomes moon room um there's also a guy who who went through all of his shots from 2001 space odyssey mm-hmm. And the way he used matte painting and then foreground set and stuff like that and hit it almost seamlessly throughout 2001. And then you watch the moon landing in almost all of the scenes in the moon landing. <laughs> Someone can pick out the matte painting in the background <laughs> and the stage in the front. You can really and go down the rabbit hole. You can movie. really go down yeah. the rabbit hole with this movie. Uh, do I think oh, we... Oh, Kubrick in general. <laughs> yeah, do yeah, I think true. we went to the moon? Yes. Uh, and even this guy who comes up with this theory said, we went to the moon in 1971. We did not go to the moon in 1969. <laughs> Kubrick actually filmed that one, but we like, did eventually get to have, have you seen that meme that, that basically says something to the effect of like, uh, yes, Kubrick filmed the moon landing, except he was such a perfectionist that he actually wanted to go on location to film. <laughs> so he went to the moon. <laughs> That's pretty good. Though. So do we believe that theory? No. But if you want to jump down the rabbit hole of theories, the, the documentary on IFC room two, three, seven, that's right up your alley. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there. Supposedly Kubrick was reading subliminal message, you know, books, you know, how advertisers were using subliminal messaging to, to sell their products. And he wanted to infuse that into the film. So there's a, you can pick out, a whole bunch of subliminal messages that are put in the film like including (laughs) including uh, when the shining title (laughs) (laughs) rises above the screen in the opening shots Uh, Kubrick's face is actually airbrushed into the clouds according to some people Uh, so there's a ton of like subliminal Uh, come on that's like all the penises that you see in Disney movies do they really exist yeah but but animators are dirty people I think animators actually admitted to that (laughs) animators no I mean they, they just wanted to come up with the design that was otherworldly and did it look like a penis sure yeah. did they intentionally make it look like a penis no are they dirty fuckers yes uh-huh. yes uh, yeah. but also in the lion king it doesn't say it does, sex um, it says sfx for special effects so anyway uh moving on um these things exist in a lot of different movies but particularly this movie right so there's a ton of theories you can go watch documentary 237 one of the theories that i actually do subscribe to though is that this film is an allegory for genocide and uh, the whole point of it is that he's making you care about singular characters because of Stalin's quote, um, a murder is is the death of an individual, but a genocide is a statistic. So that was his feeling. He was actually researching his own Holocaust movie at the time, which he never wound up making. And then when Schindler's List came out, he said, well, there's my excuse not to make it because mm. someone else already took it and did it better. So mm. I'm not even going to bother with this Holocaust movie that he was working on, but he was working on on a movie that was about genocide throughout throughout human history and stuff like that. Mm. And if you think about it, the Overlook being built on an Indian burial yeah. ground, the blood and right. and being built on the bones of the natives, our entire country was mm-hmm. was built off of that genocide and all that stuff. I do subscribe to Stanley Kubrick putting those elements into the movie, yeah. whether it was the driving force. No, I mean this Not dude the main focus. Right, this dude supposedly there. had an IQ of two hundred. So if he with that IQ, he's fitting in multiple, yeah. multiple, multiple layers and. And anyone can come up with a theory about any one of his movies, and, and then mm. take take shot by shot things and and, and, prove and find ways right, yeah. to prove themselves right. Yeah. Is what it comes down to. So uh, the Shining guys. I mean, is this 
one of the most prolific horror movies of all time. Like, is this top ten horror movies? Yes. Yeah, I'd I, say so. I think so. Like, uh, oh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, like I, I put up The Exorcist because I mean that is like that's, that's up like there too. I mean, that's, that's like the number one like of like all time. That Rosemary's Baby, The Omen. Like mm-hmm. these are like classic horror movies that not only you know are th- there there is no camp to them. There's no kitsch to them. There's no there's no cult status of them. It's effective. They are like these are horror films, big budget horror films that hit a wide mm-hmm. audience and, and hit a nerve too. and and garnered you know attention from both critics and, and audiences by the time they came out. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Horror filled with blood. I mean, this had blood in it, but it didn't have to be. It didn't have to be the blood filled horror movies that we see these days, where like if you don't see like a bucket of blood within five right. minutes of you the know, film, it's not, not. It's not a horror movie. Right, it's know? not too long after this that the slasher is born. Right, this comes out in 1980. Four years later, the American is Jack slasher- the first slasher. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Did we just come up with something? No, right there here. was actually slashers in the 1970s. When you think about like Last House on the Left yeah, and oh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so yeah. yeah. So there were slashers before this, but it, they were definitely cult films. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was it was not too long after this that freddie and jason and michael but myers well yeah. myers was 19 was 1979 right, so right, even right. that yeah. while it was cult was still mm-hmm. was you know that stuff was still brewing there mm-hmm. this was kind of like the the true like last like psychological horror Psycho- for a long yeah, time definitely. until we started getting guys like fincher and and we started getting new filmmakers later on in the early 2000s paying homage to it you know the the, the but the slasher type film ruled horror for so long after this that it's really like it was Really like this well, smart man's about it, like how long this was filmed and developed and made maybe all those other movies were made after they first heard about the shining <laughs> no <laughs> no i'm just saying no, no. <laughs> like, theory debunked already jack uh, <laughs> you're wrong we don't have a netflix documentary on this one. anything that comes out of my mouth no. so uh we got a category for next month next month is a little bit more lighthearted. one of our patrons wanted us to do 90s action oh, films yeah. and this, be- that. this became like a little bit of a problem right because we were like well do we say like 90s sci-fi mm-hmm. or like you know 90s like yeah. bombastic How action specific you it's general it's it, but yeah, it's, it's very general. Nineties action. So literally, any action film that came out in the nineties is on the oh, board. So many to choose from. I uh, kind of wish it was a little bit more specific. However, I don't why? really care. Why? That's the whole point. So it's many just like ones there's well. so many different things that you can yeah. choose out. Yeah, of them, I'm you know? I'm, a, I'm okay with going generic every now and then because we can we can hit a wide scope and if we always want to come back, we can say nineties sci-fi movies now of course obviously continuing with the rule any movie that has ever won a movie cocktail before is off the table so no yes. point no point break no, no point break Aww. you know yeah so uh any 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 movie cocktail that's already been that's already been done we're not mm. going to redo jay you're first up for 90s action man so what did you pick terminator 2 you son of a bitch man of course <laughs> I, I think this is the one that all of us when we say 90s action immediately like our brain shot to right because um Mine no? actually went to the one that I picked, but I'll, I'll say that in a second. I'm surprised. Um, we'll get to it towards the end. But uh, I had a lot of thoughts, but I mean, like, really I, when I T2 thought about it, like, T2 was That's such yeah. a level of... When I, when I think, see, when I think 90s action, yeah. I think like ch- kind of like cheesier, like just bombastic. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm the same way. T2 to me is kind of like... You have like to think about movie. it because you have to know about Terminator. Yeah. Uh, you, and I hear it's you. Like, 
I hear you. No, I mean it works. And if it, it said no, like sci-fi, then obviously I would have gone yeah. like was Jack, like Face Off. Yeah, I'll be on, I'll be on. You hit yeah, exactly. you hit on the number one '90s action movie. Period. That's the number one '90s action. I mean, movie. it's a great '90s action movie. Period. It, it, it is, it, and it's relative because we got. We're talking about a guy who is who is as much of a perfectionist about his films, James Cameron, as Stanley Kubrick is. Yeah, true. So yeah, I mean, Terminator Two. We'll get into that one. Uh, I actually just saw Terminator Dark Fate, guys. So um, uh, yeah, I got an early screening of it, and we, me and Jay, will have a review for that next week, uh, along with The Lighthouse and Jojo Rabbit. Very very interesting. So we're gonna have like. Like a bunch of reviews next week <laughs> so terminator 2 off the board uh next is mark mark what what are you putting up for 90s action my brain went right to the rock oh. sean connery Nicholas i King. do love that movie you're bashed <laughs> you're bashed one of i i, Losers I think talk about one doing of sean best. connery's best films i mean I, oh yeah We're late I, career because he mean, he plays the old man mm-hmm, the older yeah. man which is what i love he still kicks ass. he's not but still kicks ass hold on he plays james bond i don't care if his name's hollis <laughs> or not he's still james bond the man uh, yeah. he's just like he, he's commanding yeah he's yeah. just perfect and, mm. and i mean but even i mean i i do have to say even in that movie nicholas cage is awesome oh, he's in great that in movie. it and like, harris i mean who knows movies. where he's he, he goes in the future we all know what happens with nicholas cage yeah. he has what a, a a pyramid i mean look like I grave already set up in new orleans but yeah <laughs> Losers talk about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Yeah. Marla yeah. was the prom queen. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's when I liked Michael Bay a little bit more. Um, a movie that, yeah, full of great lines like that, full of fantastic action scenes over the top, just wall to wall. And Mark full of Ed Harris being a fantastic yeah. bad guy. Oh, he's yeah. great. He's, he's so, so good. good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then we come to me, my pick, The Fifth Element. Uh, I love that movie too. It's yeah. so. It's just when I 90s think action think, is what I really. I think I'm, not a, I'm not a fan. It I'm is not, 90s. Not, uh, it, is, it is. No, it is 90s. It yeah, is definitely. 90s. And, and th- my mind doesn't go there. One of the things about the Fifth Element that I love, like not only is it like a a great action film, it's very technical and it's technical it's prowess and it's fun. It was like the first movie put on DVD. Which is like crazy, the very first? yeah. Okay. And then when Blu-ray the Matrix was when Blu-ray mm-hmm. launched, like they 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 put they they put this out on Blu-ray, oh. like for, like one of the first things that they put out there and threw out there on Blu-ray. Okay. Like when new technology comes out, like there's the fifth element just Matrix, breaking but, walls down. Right. It's possible, yeah. but they Probably both they both would have come also out. We're talking about some of the iconic of of the '90s as well. You've got you know Arn, Arnie, you've got Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis, you know, I mean Nicholas Nicholas Cage. 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 But yeah, yeah, I mean, I I was thinking about other things, and there is. one one that I'll mention after Rob gives his, gives his that I'm that I'm surprised no one picked, but okay. I'll talk about that soon. Rob, what's your pick? You know, what? I'm going to go one of my absolute favorite movies. I'm going to go All Seagal. I'm going to go Under Siege. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. that's a good one. Oh, I have a personal vendetta one. against Seagal. I love that. The, the, I've the seen cake that movie scene. A lot. Oh yeah, and, and Eric Elmenac. Tommy Lee Jones. Come I on. mean, you're talking you're talking about like this scene from The Shining, right? Like, Erica Elenak jumping yeah, out I of mean, that that talk that about cake. VCR being paused. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I I I hate Seagal because our good friends over at the Countdown Pod in Perth, uh, Wayne has challenged Steven Seagal to a fight several times and he's never once answered. Have you seen how fat he's gotten? <laughs> I don't care. I want to see him and Wayne fight. He's a hey. bit out of shape. <laughs> I went I went and specifically took Aikido classes because I love wow. Se- Steven Seagal so much. It's it's like, definitely I a, had a role. You probably, love to hate Seagal. That's about it. Yeah, Steven Seagal like. Like especially under siege was like that that movie that like we had HBO when that movie came out yeah. and my dad 
must have watched Under Siege like <laughs> 90 <laughs> times. Yeah. Like, so many times. It is that kind of movie. Yeah. It is oh, that yeah. type yeah. of movie. Oh, uh, anytime it's, it's, it's on, I can just sit and watch it. Yeah. yeah. I can so, sit and watch it and go, oh, I love this movie. So the movie I'm surprised that no one picked up was the other James Cameron action film that came out in the 90s, True Lies. Oh. I was, yeah. I, I, I did have that. That's a good one. But, too, but yeah. when he went T2, I thought, why do. Why, two, two why put why put one really good Arnie movie up against one fantastic Arnie movie? It's like, yeah. It's like, How do you choose? You, you, you couldn't, yeah. You're putting a nine against I was a ten also, at that point, I, you know? I, I'm also, in my head, I was also thinking Last Action Hero. I love that That's movie. A, yeah. Hmm. I, I, I love that it. again. I'm, Despite of what people hmm. say, that, I love that movie. That's that a movie, movie I want to see again. That movie's gotten better with age because mm-hmm. now movie audiences are are more familiar and comfortable with meta humor. Yeah. And in 1990, meta he humor. Mozart. <laughs> meta humor was yeah. not something they that people. Just want to see Arnie kicking ass. Right. Much, people were not buying into meta yeah. humor at that time, but that that film is uh, far I'd be smarter to than it. Because of that one, yeah. Yeah. You know? That uh, Last Action of Heroes, sm- far smarter than people gave it credit mm. for when it came out. And, and Demolition course, Man's you know, the other one as oh, well. Dem- I was yeah, thinking. And then you got Die Hard. Yeah, start getting on that kick. I mean, there's so many. Speaking of 90s action, one of our ne- upcoming Patreon episodes is going to be another movie cocktail, but it's going to be Judge Dread themed. So just like me and Jay did a Captain America themed uh, cocktail, and we talked about Captain America throughout the entire MCU, this is going to be a Judge Dread themed cocktail, and we're going to talk about Judge Dread from nineteen mm. from 1995 and Dread mm. from 2012. So we're going to be talking about two one different Rob Schneider, <laughs> who my who my wife referred to as uh, mid 90s Paulie Shore. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but wasn't Paulie Shore mid? Yeah, he was on his well, way out was, at that point. Yeah, that's, you know? that's true. Okay. <laughs> He's like mid to late 90s. Paulie Shore. That checks out. We's in the juice. Look, <laughs> <laughs> well, Casino Man's great. So yes. that's so that's going to yes. be coming. Uh, uh, maybe if we come back and we next season we do a '90s sci-fi action film or '90s comedy would be good. Or too. the or '90s comedy. I'd probably pick and see them. Some somebody puts somebody puts up Demolition <clears throat> Man because I would love to do a Demolition <clears throat> Man That'd cocktail. Be cool. It was because, far smarter than what people have given it credit well, for. Because yeah. in have 19- we done a romantic comedy yet? Yeah, we did. Uh, for season one, we did romantic yeah, comedies. That's right. We did uh, love and other no, not love and other drugs. The one with Ryan Gosling and. And Steve Carell. Oh, uh, crazy stupid love! Crazy stupid love! We did crazy stupid love. So, uh, <laughs> but no, uh, I I definitely want to do Demolition Man at some point because, like, as a kid in the mid nineties, uh, Demolition Man, and then the following year, Judge Dredd. I know Judge Dredd's a fucking terrible movie. Don't get me wrong; I'm not sitting here defending it, but I still love it. <laughs> like, I just watched it a few days ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that's it. That's gonna do it for for us tonight. If there's anything about The Shining that we missed, and there's a ton. Oh man, anything that you would like <laughs> us to discuss. Reach out to us on our socials. You can reach out to Super Movie Bros over on Twitter at Super Movie Pod. You can reach out to Jay on Facebook, Super Movie Bros Podcast on there. If people would like to uh, rue and lament about anything that Mark said, Mark, where, where can people find you? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I should tell anyone. No. Uh, Colt Movie Colt uh, is my podcast, and we just started up a new series. Uh, I'm really excited about it. It's about one-hit wonders in the world of cult cinema. And I uh, just posted the new episode today. So um, just doing that right now. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Have you seen Jay and Silent Bob reboot yet? I have not. Didn't even know it was out. Uh, <laughs> it, it was only out the, for Fathom Events. Now they okay. are traveling the country when they come to a city. That's when it gets released in that city. Okay. So they will be coming to Philadelphia in the next couple of weeks. So Well, we talked about Clerks on the show, so we'll yeah. probably check that out. Keep yeah. your eyes open. Uh, sure. it, I'd be curious to check it out. 
it's it's uh, our review was positive. I'll just okay. I'll say that much. So okay. so I, I would I would like to hear your yeah, take on it because sure. I think it's it's a return to form, but also like mixes in enough new of what we know about Kevin Smith. I'm assuming it's very meta. Am I, am it I right is. It okay. is, but. It has far more heart than you would expect hmm. from 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 the movie that you're presented, okay. which which I I really enjoyed. Yeah, I'll check it out, uh, Rob. Where can people find you? Never mind. Fuck it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Dave, you do this. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. So he's here. That's all here. that matters, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you on my show, yeah. man. I, they can find Rob here at yeah. the movie cocktail. Find him here, yeah. man. So if you want to check on out several failed podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to check out our our uh, exclusive Patreon cocktail for The Shining, you can join our Patreon. That is at uh, patreon.com slash super movie bros podcast on there. We do have a, a Halloween themed episode that will be coming right alongside of this. Me and my wife sat down and we discussed she's a patron and she she pledges enough that she is able to do her own movie cocktail and she chose to do hocus pocus so hmm. me and lauren do a cocktail. it's gonna be a big hit we talk about we talk about the 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 middle middle mid 30s woman mm-hmm. loving mm-hmm. hocus pocus we For talk sure. about that that's main what the, that's what the main discussion <laughs> of it is so you could check that out on our patreon as well i want to thank all of you guys for listening have a great night Cheers. Cheers. Bye.